You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dad, and today we are talking Nats baseball. We bring in our Nationals reporter for MLB.com, Jamal Collier. Jamal, finally something to talk about with the Nationals. They signed their first yeah. position player this offseason, former Cardinals and Braves first baseman Matt Adams. He's going to supply a much-needed bench role for this team. What do you believe he brings to this team, and how much do you think his production can compare to what the Nats got from Adam Lind? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much, you know, thinking this is going to be an exact replacement for Adam Lynn. They've had the last couple of years kind of had that kind of bigger, burly, left-handed uh, first baseman to back up Ryan Zimmerman. Clint Robinson, if you remember a couple of years ago, then it kind of filled in for Adam Lynn with him. Um, and, you know, they had a chance to, to bring Adam Lynn back. He had a $5 million mutual option that the Nationals actually declined, uh, in part because they said, hey, we think we can get that same kind of role, that same kind of player uh, for cheaper out in the market. And they basically, that, that gamble paid off. You know, you get Matt, Matt Adams in, he's down for $4 million, so you save about a million dollars, get some incentives in there. Um, he's a guy who you know, has the power, obviously. He's, he's, he's had success as a pinch hitter, sort of a limited sample, but um, he has been pretty good in that role. And they think that, you know, he's a guy who's a, a, like three or four years younger than Adam Lynn is as well um, and probably is probably better suited to play every day. Like Adam Lynn, he's a guy who you probably don't want to face a whole lot of lefties. He's just so much better against righties. So about an 820 OPS against righties against about a 600 OPS um, against lefties in his career. But, you know, he's a guy who they think can play the same role. Adam Lynn, as you remember, hit a lot of big home runs for them. Uh, was such a huge weapon off the bench and just a huge threat when you have a guy like that kind of looming on the bench. And I think that uh, they see him in kind of the same way they saw Lynn. How much were you surprised that Adams was willing to take a step back and not have a starter role with this team? You know, I, I don't think I was that surprised just because I saw last year um, the market really for those kind of his kind of player. I'm talking about a, a guy who um, is, is really just kind of a power bat that you know doesn't necessarily going to hit for the, the highest averages and necessarily going to play defense or move around him very well. But um, we've seen in this game the way the homers have kind of exploded so far uh, that, that really teams weren't paying for that kind of player. Um, and that's kind of why Adam Lynn lingered so long last offseason. And, you know, the Nets signed him the day of the reported spring training um, for, I believe, a $1 or $2 million deal. It wasn't very much. And I think just with that probably in mind, seeing how that market developed last year, I think if he saw a role with the Nets where he knows he's going to be used, um, has a chance to, to win and, and, and win a World Series and, and a team that um, obviously is going to be kind of successful or, or competitive next year, I think that it was you know, probably natural that he wanted to kind of jump in and, and, and get out ahead of it as opposed to waiting and, and lingering out um, for, for the next couple of months like Lynn did, and it kind of did not pay off. So Matt Adams fills a much-needed bench role there for the <clears throat> Nationals, but they still have some other pieces there on the bench to address. How do you believe they'll fill those spots? What names are, is the organization talking about right now? Yeah, so I mean, I think they feel pretty good. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Adams, who's the first guy off the bench, uh, Wilmer Defoe will probably be that backup middle infielder. Um, they've you know, already also have kind of envisioned him maybe getting some more experience in the outfield during the uh, during spring training. But you have those guys. Brian Goodwin's a pretty good fourth outfielder. I think the two spots you're looking at is one is the backup catcher. Right now, Pedro Severino kind of slots into that. But I think that they have also kind of poked around a little bit about some of the, the other um, free agent catchers, veteran catchers on the market. You know, guys like uh, uh, Avila or, or uh, Miguel Montero. Some of those guys might make sense. Um, for them to, to kind of go out and, and try to, to sign. But um, I think that looking at a backup catcher and then you're looking at one guy potentially to replace Howie Kendrick, I think they still are open to bringing Howie Kendrick back. I think that it, that thing kind of works out. But he's similar 
um, in the in the sense that you know he might be able to find where he could play more of a, a set role, play a little bit more every day, and have some guaranteed playing time as opposed to coming to DC. But yeah, I think that, that they're really the you know not a, not a whole, whole lot for them to fix right now in that bench. Probably is one more player um, that they'll want to definitely have, and they may they may do that doing a combination of spring training invites and guys to come out and try out for a job. Uh, you know, once February comes around. All right, let's talk about the bullpen, and they obviously addressed that issue midseason, bringing in Doolittle, Madsen, and Kinsler, and they reached an agreement yeah. to bring back Brandon Kinsler on a two-year deal. He's expected to take a physical this week. It's going to become official after that. Why was it important to both sides in this deal to have him return to D.C.? Yeah, I mean, I think just one, you saw how just much that settled things once they brought Kinsler back uh, in that in their bullpen last you know last year when you had him, Madsen, uh, and Doolittle as a whole. Now you're talking about this bullpen now gets a lot deeper. And you got guys like Coda Glover, uh, Sean Kelly, who are a little bit of unknowns because of their health. Now you can protect them a little bit. You don't have to run them out as many innings. Um, you can kind of try to ease them back in and, and, and make sure you kind of keep them healthy and such. Um, so they feel pretty good now about their guys from the right side, especially uh, the guys from the left, you know, Sammy Solis, Andy Ramiro, uh, to go along with Doolittle, they feel pretty good about those guys too. So I think it, in general, it just makes their bullpen a lot deeper. Um, it's kind of the right-handed pitchers they want. They really just were impressed by what Kinsler had last year, especially when you put him in a role uh, like he was in, where he's you know in the seventh inning, but also if it comes down to it, they need some off days for Bats or Doolittle. He can slide in there. He's got, he's got closing experience before and has gotten big outs before. And I think that they feel comfortable kind of using him um, in any of those kind of back-end roles. Uh, I think for him also, is you know, he wanted to win. And I think that the Nats, obviously the team, like we said, is, is going to have a chance to, to compete, uh, not only just to win the division, but to go to the World Series again. And I think that, you know, having that kind of guaranteed, uh, you know, sort of role where he's comfortable with, a place that he's been in before, um, and a chance to, to do it for a World Series contender uh, seemed to be more enticing to him than, than uh, going to a team where he may have had a chance to close but maybe not had the same chance for, for success in the postseason. So, um, you know, Rizzo and, and the Nats believe that he had some offers on the table to be a closer or to have maybe a little bit more of a prominent role somewhere else. Um, but I think he chose the, the side of winning um, as opposed to going for that. Yeah, and hopefully he is able to do that with this team because, unfortunately, they haven't had too much luck in the postseason recently. Uh, let's talk about a couple of um, – players who are recovering from injury during Nats yep. Winterfest this weekend. We saw Daniel Murphy hobbling around on crutches, which uh, I don't know if it was the greatest sight for Nationals fans, but uh, <laughs> he is you know, only a few months removed from knee surgery. The Nats say he's on track to be ready for opening day, but Murph has declined to give a timetable or at least a specific one for his return. What evidence do we have that tells us he's going to be ready for opening day, and what's their backup plan if he's not ready? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a dicey situation because, like you said, the Nets seem to be pretty confident. I think the biggest evidence, thing that I've kind of pointed to, just the way that they've kind of operated, um, they have not really been interested in, or not really been actively searching for any kind of backup for Murphy. Now, that part of that's because of Wilmer Defoe. They feel pretty confident about what he brings in that role. They have to play him every day for some kind of extended period of time. We saw him he's backing up for Trey Turner last year, but he, he did pretty well in that role. And I think that, one, they feel comfortable if they have to use default for a week or two weeks or a bit a month that he can kind of fill in. But, you know, I think that, that they feel pretty good about Murphy. Um, you know, this is a rare sort of surgery for a baseball player to have, but players have come back from it before, including Justin Turner, um, Murphy's, Murphy's former teammate and kind of good friend in, in New York. But I think that uh, they, you know, all signs kind of point to the fact that if he can be ready, 
uh, somewhere near spring training or, or somewhere in spring training or somewhere near the start of the season, um, that they're comfortable maybe missing a week or two or so with him and just to get him fully right. Um, and he's a guy who takes care of himself and who knows his body very well, as, uh, too. You know, he's not a guy who's going to necessarily come back from an injury early when he's not ready or, or push through things when it's not necessarily uh, prudent for him to. And I think that um, it's going to be a combination of just trusting Murphy and, and you know, trusting Defoe as well if they do have to go with him as a backup. But uh, it's a little bit hard to say. I mean, Murphy still seems pretty encouraged and he didn't want to put a timetable on it just because he doesn't want to say he'll be ready by this date and then if he's not ready by this date everybody's kind of wondering what happened but i think the the biggest thing is is you know that the way they the way they operate this this offseason kind of still lets me to believe um that they think that murphy can be back if not right into the start of opening day somewhere shortly after and i think that um you know so far i guess we're going to believe them and a lot of people would tell you the philosophy of not setting a timetable is actually smart because then people can't get on you for not being there when you said you were going to be. Oh, is there a right. setback? Is there, you know, and that creates all sort of, uh, you know, a mental component to coming back from an injury, too. So uh, I thought that that was kind of an interesting decision by Murph and a smart one, too. Speaking of injury rehab, Adam Eaton said he's going to be ready to go for opening day. He's obviously spending time uh, you know, rehabbing from that torn ACL. Uh, any concerns with Eaton, do you believe, not making it for opening day? You know, Eaton, Eaton thinks he's, he can be ready to start opening day of spring training, probably to go out there and try to play mm-hmm. nine innings. Um, he's just been kind of kind of chomping at the bit here. Obviously, that injury was so long ago. We're talking about the beginning of last or end of last April um, that he's kind of been sidelined. So I think the, the, with, with Eaton, the, the biggest thing with them is, is he's got to test it out. You know, he just is, he's obviously working his way back to potentially come back during the playoffs. He was saying he was not sure whether or not that would have been realistic or not, but he was going to keep trying. And I think that, you know, he's done a lot of things uh, to, to kind of get himself ready to test out his knee and do everything except for actually play in baseball games. And I think that that's just going to be such a key hurdle. He's going to have to go and, and make some of those movements that you just aren't, don't have to make until you have to cut and get a ball in the gap or you have to try to you know go from first to third or, or try to get a, or you know, try to extend for a triple whatever it might be and i think that's going to be the, the, the biggest kind of hurdle for eden right now um but it was far enough out removed that i think that you know he should be still on track and should be should be no worries as far as him being ready for opening day um but another guy the nets are not going to want to necessarily throw him right into the fire here they're going to probably try to ease him in in spring training make sure he's 100 percent make sure that knee responds to everything um, before they're really, uh, you know, ready to run him out there every day. But uh, so far, so good. Everything seems uh, clear for Eden. He's encouraged and, and kind of clearing all the hurdles that he's needed to. Um, that we should see him back on the field when it's time to uh, open up. Perhaps the biggest story for the Nationals, and one of the reasons I didn't bring it up earlier was really just because it's going to be ongoing, I think, for a while, is the contract extension, uh, possibly, or free agency of Bryce Harper. And a lot of people, yep. when I tell them that I'm not a Nationals fan, they say, well, you know, where's Bryce Harper going to end up uh, in 2019? And I really don't have an answer for them. I don't know anyone does. But uh, they were talking about how they had early contract extension talk, at least between the team and uh, Bryce Harper's agent. Anything there, or are we just still uh, kind of a wait-and-see situation? Well, definitely in a wait-and-see situation, I think um, a couple things that I kind of read into it. One, the fact that even if they're they're having that conversation, even if it doesn't lead to anything this offseason necessarily, you're at least you know laying the groundwork and, and, and seeing exactly what kind of number, what kind of uh, thing that, that uh, Harper and Boris and company are going to be looking for in that next contract. Um, and right now you have a, a year window here before the start of the next offseason that you have exclusive rights to be able to you know, negotiate with Bryce. And even if that doesn't necessarily lead to anything uh, for this offseason, I think it's just you know smart in, in a way right now to have it where 
over the next 10 months or so, you're going to be able to continue to sell Bryce every day almost or as much as you possibly can on why this is the place that he should be spending, you know, the next however long his next contract would be. And I think that that just is, is something that I, I think I took away from it is that, that they're already starting that kind of process. Um, the fact that Boris and, and Harper are still willing to meet and, and have those conversations shows that they have not closed the door on D.C., you know, so people who think that Bryce has definitely got one foot out the door, I, I, I never really bought that because he does generally seem to like D.C. And he does, you know, I think wants to be open to the idea of spending one place and uh, staying his, his uh, entire career in one place. So um, I think that there's a couple things to be encouraged by just on that sense. Um, on the other hand, you know, it is it's, it's looking more and more likely that this thing is going to go to free agency here next winter. And I think that then you're talking about an open up and a sort of a bidding war between the rest of the teams. And we've seen some of the things that the other teams in the league, the Yankees, the Dodgers and such, have done um, to kind of put themselves in position financially to, to really be big players next year as well. So um, that being said, it's pretty much in a wait and see. We don't know what Bryce is going to do in the next year. I don't know if he knows what he's going to do in the next year. And uh, you know, But I think right now the Nats have the next couple of months where they are Bryce. You know, Bryce, they, they have this kind of relationship with the Bryce and the chance to um, pitch him every single day if they have to or if they want to or as much as they possibly uh, can to let him know why D.C. would be the place that he should kind of set up for the future. Jamal, we're heading into the holiday season. Give me one thing on the top of the Nationals holiday wish list, and maybe that is Bryce Harper staying in the yeah. nation's capital, uh, but I'm sure there's a laundry list of things. If there's one thing on the top of that wish list, what do you think it is for Nationals fans? Yeah, I mean, you know, on the one hand, Nationals fans can kind of be like me as a kid. They can be a little greedy because on the one hand, they you want Bryce Harper and, and extending him would be a, a huge thing. But I think the biggest thing for them right now is, is obviously winning the World Series um, and, and getting out of the first round of the playoffs as well kind of goes with that. But um, the chance to, to advance in the playoffs, to, to get to the World Series, at least for the, you know, for the first time in this, this franchise history, would be huge for this team. Uh, it's obviously the way they've operated and, and tried to, to do some of the things they've done this offseason to try to bring back this team uh, to fire new manager who can, who can get them over the hump. So getting over the hump and getting to the World Series, I think it's still got to be at the top of the Nationals' wish list. Um, and they've got a chance to at least next year to have Bryce Harper uh, right in front of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jamal, thank you so much. Happy holidays. Enjoy it. And we'll uh, talk to you in the new year. Thanks a lot. You too.